Hey everybody, it's Aldo Gandhi, and I just want to let you know really quickly that our swag shop is reopened. DeepDishTees.com is where you go, and that's tees with T-E-E-S. Clever name, guys. They're the new home of our merchandise. You can get t-shirts, you can get caps, you can get coffee mugs, you can get hoodies, you can get all sorts of good stuff, and you'll help out the bar room with the purchase. So head over to DeepDishTees.com. What's up and welcome back to Bar Down Blackhawk Talk, episode number 29, presented by the Bar Room Network. My name is Vinny Parisi, and I'm here with, I think, Joey Parisi and Joseph. Nice hat. Thank you. Thank you. I was waiting for it. I was waiting for the compliment on the hat. Yeah. Uh, care to explain, elaborate? It's just, it's a feel-good hat. Where Hockey is back. This is the hat that we're going to wear. We're going to ride some bets. You feel like a badass wearing this hat. So this is going to be my I'm a fucking winner hat because hockey season is back. Hockey season is back, which also means winter's coming. And another thing that I like about winter is, you know, for fun when I'm not watching sports or working, I like to sit back and play some video games. You like video games? I do. I've always loved video games. The video games have been a part of our life for for our whole life. And almost in a social way, just as much as a nerdy way, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's kind of how it is, like, for a lot of people today. Like, you you don't grow up. Yeah, you grow up playing sports and going outside. But a good chunk of kids today, like, whether anyone wants to admit it or not, is playing video games with the boys up to, like, 4 a.m. At least that's what it was like for us, school night or not. Yeah, and a lot of people, like, when we were growing up, think that it was, like, a little kid kind of thing. Like, oh, the little kids play video games. But now those little kids are growing up. Like I'm 26. I still play, you know, I would say maybe within five or six years older than me, like those guys are still playing. And and I think by the time you get 20 years down the line, most adults who grew up with it will still be playing for the most part. Now, maybe not as much as I once did, but my Xbox is on at least for something every single day. Yeah. And I wouldn't even say like little kids, like the best time for me, at least playing video games was probably like through high school and like you'd get your group of like six friends you run call of duty lobbies and all that and just there's nothing better than it what's your favorite video game of all time that's tough i mean favorite video game is there's a lot of different answers because like, you could give me like three or four yeah, too. For, for me there's i'll like give you three social, or four there's like the social thing like the most fun I had probably was Modern Warfare 2, Call of Duty, or Black Ops 1, either one, playing with a full group of six friends and just up all night. It seemed like time would pass by in the blink of an eye. Now, when you're thinking video games of me sitting alone on my couch playing alone, not talking to anyone, it's got to be like Super Mario Sunshine or Super Mario Galaxy. Like Those games for me, like I would just spend hours literally playing alone, not talking to anyone. So those are probably like 
my two categories of video game. Yeah, I'm with you. The most fun I ever had playing a video game was Call of Duty Black Ops 1 and Modern Warfare 2, which came out a year prior to that. So those two are like kind of in the prime. Playing by myself, I really enjoyed all the Tony Hawk video games. I really grew up. I really enjoyed liking skateboarding, both video game and in real life. Um, Tony Hawk's uh, Underground 2 was really good. I really enjoy the Legend of Zelda games. So the most recent one, Breath of the Wild, takes your breath away. It's that pretty. It's that fun. And I, I just love it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I've had a lot of fun with those Zelda games as well. Where are you at on sports video games? Sports video games will probably stand the test of time they, since they you know, came around. Uh, it seems like every year these, these games keep getting bigger and bigger, whether, whether I personally enjoy them more and more. Um, they're, they're always going to come out with a new game every year. So, Absolutely. It was fun playing Madden growing up. I haven't bought a Madden in a long time, but I'm thinking about getting back on that grind eventually. I do like football video games. Mm-hmm. When NCAA comes out again on the newer consoles, I can't remember if it's two or three years from now. Oh, I'll be playing some SEC football and Big Ten football on my Xbox or PlayStation, whatever my console of choice is at that time. Yeah, I never really got into Madden or any any football game, really. Um, it's always just been NHL. And then back in the day when EA used to do uh, MVP baseball, like that was a lot of fun. Speaking of NHL, this is a hockey show. We're hockey guys. NHL 22 comes out friday i want to say and we're gonna get into that in period number one welcome to period number one and because of tis the season it's hockey season we're here the season started yesterday the blackhawks start tonight we're gonna get into all that really soon but i want to talk about nhl 22 so for that we're gonna bring in a very special guest and that special guest is someone very near and dear to me and you. It is Frank Mueller of Fansided's App Trigger, the official video game site of Fansided Networks. Frank? How are you doing? What's up? Doing good. You could use one of these hats. This is. I know. I like it. You're yeah. rocking it. Don't lie to him. I, I do it. In case there was different. too much... In case there was too much hate, I was going to switch, but I think I'm going to rock it all day. No, it's different. I'm going to rock it all day. No, yeah, you got to keep it on now. You're in. Oh, yeah. So, Frank, NHL 22. We haven't gotten to play it yet. You're Mr. Video Game on Fansided. For those who don't know, you could follow at the King Bean on Twitter. You'll hear about all the newest things going on in video games, not just sports related. He covers it all. But we're here to talk NHL 22. What are your early thoughts on the game? Um. I think it's going to be a really good game. I'm excited for this year more than any other year because there's two new features coming to the game. Uh, EA Sports is implementing the Frostbite engine, which was originally implemented into Battlefield. That's where they kind of debuted it because they wanted the video game to have that more realistic feeling. And people who play shooters and Call of Duty and Battlefield know the progression that has come over the years. So what the Frostbite engine does in a sports video game would be the players are going to look a lot more realistic to you. I know over the years players or gamers have um, said that, oh, these players don't look the way they should be or whatnot. The ice looks a little kind of cheeky. So the Frostbite engine is there to fix that, and this is their first year doing it. And I know Madden and FIFA, they switched to the Frostbite engine years ago. 
Yeah, I was just going to ask you, is it new to EA or is it just new to NHL? No, because EA also makes Battlefield and DICE makes Battlefield. Oh, okay, yeah, I didn't even think about it. Yeah, that. so this is the first year it's coming to NHL, but it's not new to sports games. It was in Madden, it's in FIFA, but I'm really excited to see um, how everything plays out once the full game's release, like what the players look like and uh, all that. Yeah, for a long time it looked like only the star players were ones that were somewhat recognizable, like Sidney Crosby, Alexander Ovechkin, Patrick Kane. So you're telling me that like even the fourth line scrubs are going to look a little more similar to their actual facial features now? They should. I mean, since it's the first year that they're using the Frostbite engine, I mean, I wouldn't expect too much out of it. Obviously, over time, they'll fix things that need to be fixed. But um, yeah, I mean, for the most part, they look pretty darn realistic. Yeah, um, Scott said he screwed himself by pre-ordering NHL 22. It comes out tomorrow night. Is there, Was there, like, some sort of pre-order bonus that you get for, for pre-ordering that you know of, at least? I know um, a lot of people don't necessarily pre-order games anymore. Like, you don't go to GameStop. It's it's a lot online now. But was there anything, like, related to Hut? Yeah, you? there was Hut. And then I know you got hockey bags for your character if you want to play, like, Ishil. Um, You got some of those bags you can open. I know there were some pre-order bonuses for Hut. You got extra packs. Um, if I remember correctly, there was no deluxe edition this year. I, I think there was only like a hundred dollar version, but you really didn't get anything too spectacular that to me was worth going with the hundred dollar version. Gotcha. Interesting. So are there any new like game modes or features in the game that are brand new to this edition in 2022? Yeah. So there's these things called superstar X factors. And what these X factors are is they give, individual players of boost um not every player will have it only the top notch players will have it so you know like the canes mcdavid's seth jones Pasternak, you know stuff like that um so there's 48 different x-factor boosts so for example let me give you an example um patrick kane right his x-factor or superstar x-factor ability is called puck on a string so everybody knows his stick handling and how good it is. So he will have greater stick handling throughout the game when he plays him. Okay. Um, Mark Andre Fleury's called all in or all or nothing, I think. And if you watch Mark Andre Fleury over the years, you know, he likes to poke check, you know, the diving poke, his signature. Yep. Um, so he has a greater poke check ability as a goalie. So depending on the player and the type of player they are, will determine what, X factor that they have. So yeah, the X factors are categorized and then there's different like specific X factors under each category. So for example, I have here, there's the skaters category, hockey IQ, passers, defenders, and goalies. And then each of those categories has a certain X factor that'll, you know, be provided for that player. And Mm -hmm. I remember looking it up with you, for example, like you said, it's only the top guys. So for the Bruins, uh, Brad Marchand has an X-Factor ability, Patrice Bergeron, and David Pasternak. Now, if they're not right. the same, then it might even be all different categories, but only those guys will have this X-Factor ability. Yeah, and EA didn't rule out that they could add X-Factors throughout the year. So if players are having breakout seasons, don't be surprised if an X-Factor gets added to them or if they do something spectacular, like maybe a goalie doesn't have that poke check ability, but you see like a crazy save throughout the year. Um, it's potential that they could add it to that. Yes. So, for example, come January when Jeremy Swayman is leading the rookie way and he's one of the best goalies in the league, they'll add a Jeremy Swayman X-Factor all or nothing or dialed in. Yeah, you never know. Yeah. 
Are there any features from previous NHLs that are fan favorites, I would say, that are returning? So, for example, you brought up Eshel. For those who don't know, we refer to EA Sports Hockey League as Eshel because it's E-A-S-H-L. So not everyone calls it that, but it's kind of picked up over the years. Um, that's, I'm assuming, back, obviously, hot Hockey Ultimate Team, where you build your team by collecting cards. Is there any, you know, go through what's coming back. Yeah, so... You, you nailed it. Eshel is coming back, EA Sports Hockey League, which is one of my favorite game modes to play. Uh, they also like to do a lot of their focus on HUT. I think that's where they put their most time and money in because that's where they make their most money when people buy packs. And I know the NHL Gaming World Championship, that's every year, is only through HUT now. So, I mean, they get a lot of their time and plays through um, Hockey Ultimate Team. Something I'm disappointed in that they haven't brought back is GM Connected. I know we had a blast with GM Connected back in the day, you know, in NHL 12, 14, 13. Um, but I think – I don't know if we'll ever see that again in a video game because they're so focused on HUT and their online modes that they don't put a ton of time into their offline modes. Um, obviously, the shootout's coming back, and – Negative Nelly. I mean, I feel like GM Connected would just bring so much joy to so like everyone. Yeah, you know, I'm combining fantasy hockey with the video game because yeah, you made, yeah. we had a draft like fantasy hockey. Like first overall would be McDavid, and then me and Joey would argue over whether or not Matthews or McKinnon should go second. Like just stuff like that would be so much fun. Oh yeah, I agree. I disappointed they haven't added it back, but to me, if they haven't done it now, are they ever going to do it? Do you think it's possible that there's purposely not doing it just so that gives them shit to add later on because eventually like how much more shit can you add um no i don't think they're not purposely doing it just to add it later on just because this is like a mcrib no you have it every now and then to make the people go crazy when it's literally to me i mean i haven't created a video game before but i wouldn't think it'd be that hard to add it in I mean, no, especially because like you have your franchise mode and it's literally just an online franchise mode. No, that's what I'm saying. So if they haven't done it yet, I don't see them doing it in the future. To me, it's like you press a button. It's not like they have to create a whole new game mode. It's literally they have franchise mode in the game. Mm -hmm. So that's just like it's franchise mode, but playing with friends. Yeah, it's like multiplayer franchise mode. Yeah, everyone has a franchise. Yeah. Um. I have a question about I've seen a lot of hype behind it and I actually haven't played it, but I always thought it was a great idea and it looks so cool. It's, I don't know if it's considered be a pro, but where you, you pretty much create your guy. Okay. You, you uh, give him his certain skill set or whatever, you know, create his build and then you get drafted and you play through the minors and then you have to perform in order to, you know, get called mm -hmm. up. Is that a thing? Is that, is that still a game mode where you yeah, be a pro? Yeah, is that, and that's where you pretty much run through the life of an NHL player. Like you start in the minors, and then you could eventually work your way up to the NHL. Yeah, I haven't played be a pro for a few NHLs now, but the way it used to be is that, like you said, you create your pro, and then you have the choice: do you want to be in the draft? You could start in the draft right away, or you could start in like the WHL and uh, really work your way yeah. up, and then go like the AHL, win the Calder Cup, and stuff like that. Um, I haven't played it recently, though, but I know it's still in the game. I always thought that would be fun, especially if you did like a goalie or something. Just play oh, yeah, I it. enjoyed it. <laughs> that does sound really fun. So when the game comes out, so I don't know if you plan on getting it tomorrow or Friday. I'm probably going to get it on Friday. Um, who's your favorite team to be in the game? 
is it your actual favorite team or there, and who do you think is going to be the best team in the game? Well, the best team in the game is the lightning. It has been for the past three seasons. Everybody who plays the game competitively usually goes with the Tampa Bay lightning. Um, my favorite team is the Blackhawks, but my fa- they're, they're not my go-to team in the game. Cause when I play the game, I look for, I like to change my lines a lot. Right. So I like to have the right shot players on the left side and vice versa. Right. So I know Vegas is a really good team to play as. Um, I see myself going to Vegas a lot. Um, it's, but I really don't have a favorite to play as I'll play as anybody, as long as I can get those good right to left wing duos, then it, it doesn't really matter to me. For sure. I've always thought, okay, so the Devils have been a stinky team for however many years now since they made it to the Stanley Cup final in 2012. They've pretty much been a stinky team ever since. Mm -hmm. But I know every player on their team, and I know their handedness, what number they are, so I know who it is. And for me, knowing the handedness means a lot. And I know the handedness of quite a few players across the league, but I don't know a team like I know the Devils. And so I think there's an advantage to playing with a team like that that you know so well, as opposed to just picking the best team. So if I'm if I have Jesper Bratt and Jack Hughes coming in a two on one, I know which angle each player has a better chance to score from. Whereas if I was playing with Vegas, who's a better team, but I might not know off the cuff Wild Bill's handedness or Mark Stone's handedness. Like I do, but just you know, that's an example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually agree with that because like I also another thing with kind of helps your point Vin is like when I'm playing I like to manually switch my lines like depending on you know how much energy they have left and maybe that's why I'm so bad because I don't know what the fuck I'm doing but if like the top line has no energy and my second line has halfway energy it's good to know who's on my third and fourth line matching up against whoever they have on the ice and playing with the Bruins I'll know exactly who's going to be on those third and fourth lines and their handedness on each side. So that does play a big role for me when choosing my team. Absolutely. You know, whoever you're familiar with is who you're going to be with. Um, I know a lot of people usually just go by overalls, which mm-hmm. I don't personally, because if you don't know how to use that team, like you said, the overall is not going to matter as it is. Um, I remember seeing, remember when I talked to you about, um, all the team overalls in the game. We can't find that picture. I can't yeah. find it anywhere. I looked on Google, Facebook, everywhere, Twitter. So hard. And it was like from TSN. Like I just could not find it. Like I'm pretty sure it was legit. And the list wasn't like outrageous. Like it didn't have like Buffalo high. Like no, it, was, no, no. It, was, it was a good list. And I searched far and wide. For those who don't know what we're talking about, we found a list over the weekend while watching some football of the lists of the best teams in the game. And me and Frankie tried to find it to pre-plan for the show and couldn't find it for our life. So no, because I remember Tampa was the number one team on there. Yep. And then I don't remember. I think that it was like a 92 or something. And then somebody was a 91 and I don't remember who it was, but I know there was a lot of teams tied at 88. And I know Seattle was the Bruins were the Blackhawks were. The Devils, weren't the Devils? Yep. The Devils got a big boost by adding a backup goalie and um, what's his name? Dougie Hamilton. So you had a big defenseman in the 90s like that. Right. High 80s, whatever he is. I just wish we had that list because it would have been so helpful. Do you think Tampa finishes the season as the best team in the game? Yeah, I do. Um, 
there's not going to be big changes like that where one team would go from fifth to first, right? They usually, the way you EA usually develops their game is the Stanley Cup winner will be whoever's the best, will be the best team in the game, right? Yeah. I mean, there will be player updates throughout the season that'll help teams out, but nothing too drastic where they would overtake Tampa as the best team in the game. Speaking of players, are there some notable player overalls that you want to discuss? Like maybe you think this person is too high. Maybe you think they're perfect. You could talk about guys like Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews because they're the best players in the game, I assume. They're not. Um, Matthews not even. Matthews is eighth. Okay. Sounds about right to me. He's a 92 overall. But there's also five other people tied with 92. But then the way they go about it is they'll go by like, Wrist shot, speed, stuff like that. So he ranks eighth, even Got though he's an or a ninety-two overall. I know McDavid is a ninety-five overall. He's the best player in the game, as it should be. Yes. And then um, McKinnon, Crosby, and Drysital are all ninety-three. Okay. And then I have it pulled up right here. I'm looking at it. If you need help. No. Well, here I there are some surprises that I wrote down too. I personally, so it has to do with the goaltending. Personally, Hellebuck's a 91. I don't think he should be a 91 overall. I know he's a great goalie, but that just seems way too high. Like, he hasn't really done anything to, like, make me go wow, right? Maybe, like, an 89 or 90, but a 91? Like, 91, you're talking about you've done some elite stuff. And I'm not taking away, like, what he's done. He's a great goalie. But for a video game, that just seems way too high when he hasn't done anything that's wowed me lately. Yeah, the only thing I could – he's probably going to be Team USA's starting goalie. That's the only – at the Olympics. So maybe they're trying to, like, sell the international portion of the game. It could be. And I know Grubauer's an 87, and to me he should be way higher than an 87. I agree with that. I agree. I, I think they totally screwed him this year. 87 is like you're giving him no respect. And he I don't know if it's because he's on Seattle this year. But that shouldn't play a factor in your overall. Like no. your skills are your skills. He was third. Wasn't he third in Vezina last year? Nope. And I'm looking at the list, and above him at an 88 overall. Is I goalie. have him Markstrom, right? Hey, Markstrom. That's like, yeah, he's a good goalie, but that's really high. <laughs> it is really high, and that's another one of my surprise. Markstrom should not be an 88 overall. He should not be better than Grubauer and Varlamov and the Robin Leonard. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I um, think. Go ahead. Uh, I, I'm just happy to see Tuka Rask and not even on an NHL team, and he's a 90 overall, the fifth best goalie. That's kind of cool. Yeah, but he deserves it. Yeah, but like I mean, he's not even in the game, is he? No, well, he's in the game. What do he's you mean? Not, is he on the Boston Bruins roster, you think? Yeah, absolutely. He probably won't. You probably have to put him in. He probably won't be their starter. There's a separate screen that you could put in, like, scratch goalies. Yeah, he'll be he'll be there though. Yeah. I'm gonna challenge that. I don't. Yeah, think that's he a is. sticky situation, Frank, because I, he's not signed. He's currently a free agent in yeah. the NHL. Well, the, I don't know. I, I mean, maybe. Even... Interesting. I, I'm gonna have to get the game just to see that. So I'm looking at these uh, players on Anaheim in the screen. For those watching at home, we have, or for those listening, we have uh, the Anaheim Ducks roster being gone through on the screen, and I saw someone like Trevor Zegers with an 82 overall. And he's lower than some players on Anaheim that are significantly worse than Trevor Zegras. Like, he has the same overall as Adam Henrique. Like, I think that's like a rookie effect. I was going to ask, don't you think yeah. they, like, screw rookies and guys? They know they're good, but they almost make them earn, like, a higher overall. Like, yeah. Jack Hughes is the best player on the Devils. 
and he's not even close to the top overall. Absolutely. I mean, you never know how a rookie is going to turn out, even though you think they're going to be that superstar, right? Uh, they just don't want to put too much thought into it. They just want to, we'll start them out because if you start them low, then there's room for improvement, right? They have a great year. Then the 82 overall halfway through the season turns into an 85 overall, you know? So as long you don't want to shoot too high and like lower them, shoot low, and then you could do it as you go. You could progress throughout the season, you know? Absolutely. Um, I just got to go ahead and say this. I know I won't shut up about the Bruins. Uh, when you're looking at the top overall players, ranked 10, 11, and 12 are in order of the, of the top line of the Bruins. Kind of cool. What, in the video game as a whole? In the video game as a whole, like when you look at the top 50 overall players, 10, 11, 12 is Pasta, Marsh, Amber. Yeah. yeah I think Hall, Hall's kind of low. It's a, another one of those things like, He's got to re-earn that that rating. Yeah, because he used to be like the second or third best overall, like left winger in the game. Yeah, I uh, think overalls this year a little wank. I yeah. feel like they always have been in NHL. You look at Madden, and there was always like you know the best at their position would get the ninety nine, yeah. right? Isn't that yeah. how Madden would do it? There's yep. never been anyone even no one ever even sniffs high nineties in NHL. I yep. remember one year Crosby and Datsuk were both ninety six. It was like when we first started playing. Sidney Crosby of the Pittsburgh Penguins and Pavel Datsuk of the Detroit Red Wings were both 96 as the best players in the game. And then I want to say Ovechkin and Malkin were 95. Yeah. That to, And like Taves was 92. Kane was 93. This was before McDavid came along. And I think that year was like probably the closest they got to it being right. It bugs me, though, that they like, they take forever with these younger kids and giving them the ratings they deserve. Right. No, I hear you. Um, I've never really been a fan of the way EA does the ratings. The only 99s you see are in hut, but those are all weird cards. Those are yeah, team, of weeks or yeah, team of the week. Yeah. Team of the cancer. Movember hockey fights, cancer. Yeah. Legendary set collection. Um, I think EA needs to do something with the ratings either next year or the year after. I mean, it should be like Madden, right? Am I wrong? Like, I agree. Yeah. Have the best players be the best in the game. Give them that 99. Like, why not? It's a video game. And then even if they wanted to alter the overalls like they used to for Hut, I don't know if it's still like that, but, like, when you play a random online versus play, the overall for, like, Alex Dabrinkit, he might not be an 88 overall if you got his card in Hut. Right. Because they want to have those special edition cards that they'll mm -hmm. make money off of that have the higher overalls. That, to me, absolutely goes into it. Now, one thing I want to ask you before we close out our discussion on the video game, how do you feel about Austin Matthews being on the cover again? I got to be honest, I hate it. I mean, he was just on an NHL 20, and I think EA missed a perfect opportunity to put somebody from the Kraken on the cover, somebody from Vegas on the cover. Like, Austin Matthews had 41 goals last year, right, in 52 games. But – they got bounced in the first round. So why is he back on the cover? He's not the best player in the league. McDavid's the best player in the league. Why hasn't McDavid been on the cover twice? I couldn't agree more. I honestly, like, I think they shit the bed with the opportunity to put a Vegas golden Knight. Like Vegas has been in the team in the league now for going on their fourth year. Is it? Fifth and year. fifth year. And they've been one of the best teams in the NHL since their, their first game. 
when they won opening night against Dallas at home. Um, so the fact Arizona. that he, their first win at home was against Dallas. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't make sense. Or even somebody on the Kraken, why not? That's a great selling point. Well, Vinny's making a face. Now we got to look up who the Vegas Golden Knights' first win at home was. Um, but, yeah, and save I say save the Kraken for a couple of years when they're kind of an established NHL team. But, I mean, the fact that you don't have Mark Stone on the cover or Max Pacioretty, I would personally go with Mark Stone. He's the captain. But, mm-hmm. I don't know, that just seemed like a missed opportunity for a team that's been so that's successful in such a short amount of time. I know why they did it. The number one hockey market in the world is Toronto. That's why. Yeah, but he hasn't done anything. They knew, well, he is the top three player. Absolutely. But I I just think, like, they want to sell the game, and they know the number one place to sell it. So Austin Matthews hits two things for EA. He's American. He's probably the best active American player. So people in the U.S. who appreciate that, will gravitate towards it. And then Toronto, there's a Maple Leaf on the cover. They're the most popular team in the league and it's second place isn't close. Mm-hmm. They're the Yankees without the championships of hockey. So that, that, I mean, it make, I, I hate it. I agree with you. I hate it, but I get it. Yeah. I, it sucks. doesn't make sense to me though. I No, because you can, you can also look at it in other ways. Hey, how do we get non-traditional hockey markets to, buy this game. I mean, the fifth best player in the league plays for the Florida Panthers and you could put him on the cover. I'm talking about Alex Barkov. Like you could put him on the cover and people in South Florida might be interested in buying the game now, or you can put one of these guys on these new teams, Kraken and golden Knights. Like, yeah, I'm with you guys. There are so many different ways to think about it. I hope they hear the, the backlash on the fact that they put this guy on the cover again. And it's nothing against Austin Matthews. We all love Austin Matthews. Even though Joey says he would tell him to his face that he hates the Leafs, I can't wait to see that. Um, yeah. I would. You get Austin Matthews on the show, I will. I will have no problem telling him, "Hey, dude, I respect you. You're one of the best players in the world. You're fun to watch, but I can't stand watching you win hockey games. I don't like your team." Uh, I, I, I no. Make I, it happen. I'm gonna do my best to make that happen. I need that in my. It'll be like a White Sox Dave versus John Cusack moment. No, it won't because there's no there's no ill intent here. Yeah, I mean, okay. So, Frank, we talked about NHL 22 at length. I know you're excited to get it. I'm excited to get it. If I could find a way to get it tomorrow, I probably will. We'll see how that goes. I'm I'm actually probably going to do some research on how to go about that after this show's over. Um, do you have any insight on ordering it, pre-ordering it? What's going on? Um, you could still pre-order it obviously up until it comes out um i don't know if game night or gamestop is doing a midnight release for it they usually don't and to be honest there's not a lot of money gamestops left um my suggestion would be if you want it day one and you want it tomorrow you could always digitally pre-order it but someone like me i always like to have the physical version because i've had the physical version except last year i guess you could say i didn't have i had it on game pass but um yeah, if you're if you really want it that bad, I would just go the morning Friday, Friday morning, and go to like Target or Best Buy, Walmart, Meyer. Um, just to throw in there, Vegas's first ever win was on October sixth versus the Dallas Stars in a two to one victory, where James Neal scored the first ever goal in franchise history. Okay, you said it was Arizona. Don't say okay. That was at home. Yes. 
No, it wasn't at home. You said at home. Shut up. No, I'm not going to shut up. Well, guys, five minutes deep for fighting. Their first home win was against the Arizona Coyotes. I have the power. Shut up. I don't. You could throw that penalty <laughs> thing on me all day long. The people know you're an idiot. Um, I'm I'm happy I knew it was James Neal though. I didn't even like look that up. I'm happy I knew I was right. James Neal, and then five years from now, my guy Ryan Donato for the Seattle Kraken. This is just one of those moments where I like feel proud that I know more about hockey than Joey. Uh, their first game was against Dallas. Who gives a you shot? said their first home game. I misspoke. Frank, you want to stay on with us? Sure. We'd love to keep you on and talk hockey the rest of the show beyond the video game. What do you think? Yeah, that's fine. All right, let's do it. Joe, send it over to period number two. I'm shocked Joey didn't just log off after taking that L. I'm not going to lie. I, that is, that is number two. Complete presented by DeepDishTees.com. Make sure you head on over to DeepDishTees.com and get yourself some Barroom Network swag. You could get Bar Down Blackhawk talking hockey hats. You could get stuff related to the other shows across the network. Just your traditional bar room hat. All the stuff is so cool. We need to get Frankie a Barroom Network black or Bar Down hat because – it would look good with those Blackhawk shirts he's wearing frequently. You can't get this hat, though. I think we need to uh, – we got to get a bar down this type of hat, whatever the fuck you call this. But, like, it's got a little a fedora. Oh, a fedora, yeah. No, it's, it's not called a fedora. A fedora is, like, got a dense. Like Bruno Mars. Whatever. <laughs> Last night, the Pittsburgh Penguins played the Tampa Bay Lightning. Another time Joey was wrong and I was right. The – Lightning fell to the Penguins by a final score of six to three. Um, John Cooper was very kind to the overbetters because he pulled Andre Vasilevsky with a billion minutes left in the game. And, it and the Penguins pulled out the Penguin. It didn't work. The Penguins pulled out a big win without Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and Jake Gensel. Guys, Pittsburgh just keeps figuring it out year after year. And I don't care what anyone says. They're a good team. We'll see if they make the playoffs, but they're always going to make life difficult on their opponent, and they did that to the defending champs last night. Go ahead. Every, everyone can overreact to the first game. on. No Bayern. one's overreacting. The it was impressive to win without Crosby, Malkin, and Gensel. It was impressive, but is anything going to come out of it? No. The Tampa Bay Lightning are going to be one of the top teams in their division, and the Pittsburgh Penguins are going to stick. They're not going to get goals from Danton Heinen and Brian Boyle every night, and they're not going to play a, a, a lightning team that just isn't able to figure out the back of the net every single night. So, you know, Frank, I, I, you want to hear something funny, Frank? On the way fair. last night, we were in that. the car, and Joey goes, "What did the Penguins do this offseason? Their biggest acquisitions this offseason were Danton Heinen and Brian Boyle. Danton Heinen and Brian Boyle scored the first two goals of the Pittsburgh Penguins yeah. season." Do I think that Pittsburgh is going to be better than Tampa Bay? No, I do not. I think Pittsburgh is going to come fourth in their division, and Tampa Bay is going to come in second. But they're both playoff teams. They're both good teams. They're both superstar-filled teams. And the Penguins, without their three stars, whooped the Lightning's ass last night. What do you think? It was impressive. I was very impressed. I mean, Tampa came out of the gates like subpar. 
They didn't look good. Banner raising has something to do with it. I agree. That's what I won. They're five years in a row winning their opening night game. They snapped a five-year streak of winning their opening night game. Longer than that. Was it five or seven? I thought it was seven. Maybe it was seven. The last time they lost an opening night game was 2013 versus the Boston Bruins. It was seven. (laughs) Um, It seems like teams that raise the banner always have an off night, though. I mean, just look at the previous banner raising games. It it was they always lose. It was the largest margin of loss in a banner raising game since 2014 when Los Angeles lost four to nothing to I think the Chicago Blackhawks. No, I, I remember know. when the Hawks beat Washington after raising the banner too. That was a fun game. Teams I understand the sentiment. Teams come out maybe a little more flat when they raise the banner and they're crying, thinking about all the accomplishments that they've had over the last year. And you don't come out the same. I'm this to me, it's not an indictment on Tampa. It's more like, Whoa, you beat the defending Stanley cup champions without Crosby, Malkin and Gensel, even with the lightning being flat, they're on paper better than 80% of Tampa is better than Pittsburgh. I think we can all agree on that. So it was impressive for them to go out and win. Yeah, you can't take anything away from the Penguins. They showed mm-hmm. up, and they uh, they deserved it. You know, they were the better team. Um, I think Tampa will have the better season. Obviously, you guys agree. Um, yeah. but I mean, Pittsburgh just showed up. I think they did everything right last night. I mean, you can't really fault Vasilevsky on everything. You know, the defense really wasn't there for Tampa. Even though Hedman had an assist, Hedman had a nice shot. Yeah, oh yeah, that was beautiful. But um, other than that, their defense really wasn't there. Nothing was clicking. The first period, they were getting outshot. They just didn't look good. I think it was a Stanley Cup hangover. I hope this isn't a regular thing with John Cooper pulling the goalie with six minutes left in the third period, down three to nothing. That better not become a regular thing. They got Patrick Waugh canned. Yeah. <laughs> Patrick Wah used to do that shit. And we thought Patrick Wah was crazy for doing it with four minutes left. And here's John Cooper on opening night doing it with six minutes left. Granted, it worked. They got a goal, but it didn't work. They got two, and it still didn't work. No, well, they got two, and then didn't Pittsburgh? They gave up two. Yeah, but didn't Pittsburgh make it four to one? Then Then it was four to two. Then it was four to two. And then the final is six to two. It just totally fucked up the whole stat line of the game because someone who didn't watch it is going to look at that and be like, wow, Pittsburgh shit on him, six to Mm -hmm. two. But to me, that game. Three. To me, you, you take that game, you crumble it up in a ball, and forget about it. Yeah, Do you think, Frank, that Tampa Bay is going to have a little bit of a Stanley Cup hangover at the beginning portions of the season? Yeah, I they do. lost their entire. They lost their entire third line of Barkley Goodrow is now a New York Ranger. Um, Yanni Gord is on the Seattle Kraken, and um, uh, Blake Coleman is on the Calgary Flames, and your Chicago Blackhawks have Tyler Johnson. Mm-hmm who was their fourth line center, who Absolutely. is a yeah. very good player. Absolutely. Uh, I do think they're in a little bit of a hangover. Um, that's just natural that all teams who win the cup usually have somewhat of a hangover. Uh, if I remember correctly, Tampa Bay last year, didn't they start off like, eh, and then they really picked it up in the second half of the season. And yeah. everybody's like, is Tampa going to win it again? Probably not. They haven't looked the best. And then they make the playoffs and they just wreck everyone. And- End of the story. The thing with last year is they had played the entire season without Nikita Kucherov or Steven Stamkos. They didn't play together on the same roster until the playoffs. That's not going to be the case this year. I think they're going to find it real easily within a a week here, and the Tampa Bay Lightning are going to be dangerous. I'm I'm happy that my team doesn't have to play them until November 4th. 
Well, they're certainly dangerous because their core has four Hall of Famers in their prime. Nikita Kucherov, Steven Stamkos, Victor Hedman, and Andre Vasilevsky are a core that you can build around with minimal effort. But when you have a third line, like, okay, so three years ago, they they were the best team in like of all time. They had 128 points in the standings. Nikita Kucherov had 120 points. He won the Art Ross Trophy with relative ease. Um then they get to the playoffs and get swept by Columbus. So during the offseason, Tampa Bay thinks to themselves, well, how do we get over the hump? Well, they build a third line. They trade a first-round pick to the New Jersey for Blake Coleman, and they get Barkley Goodrow from the – I want to say it was the Avalanche, not the Sharks, but I would have to go back and look. Um, and they put him with Yanni Gord, and that's the best third line in Tampa Bay Lightning history. They go on to win the Cup. Well, now that third line's gone, and you don't have Tyler Johnson there to help out replacing that depth. So their team is definitely going to take a hit in their bottom six, but with those top guys, I still think they're going to be a very good team. A team hasn't three-peat since the 80s. I think it's it's a very easy thing to fix. You lose a third line, you replace the third line, as long as you got your top guys rolling. Well. I say give it about a month. Yep, that's kind of where I'm at too. I say give it about a month. After a month, they'll start clicking. I wouldn't be surprised. And you might call me crazy, Joe, but I wouldn't be surprised if through their first 10 games they're 5-5. Five and five. Same. Absolutely same. It also wouldn't surprise me if they're 8-1-1. One, and one. Right. Because no, They just have Hall of Famers like that. Like, anything could happen. But they definitely are going to be off to a slow start, I think. My yeah, prediction is 5-5. Five and five, And then after that month, you're just going to see them kick it into gear. And they're going to be a whole different team. People are going to be like, where were these guys at the start of the season? I do think they're coming in second place in their division for the whole year, though. They have the second-best roster in the state of Florida. Losing yesterday was just going to light a fire. They're going to go. I'm looking at their schedule. They're about to go into Detroit tomorrow and just – I'm calling Nikita Kucherov is going to get on the board twice. I hope the Red Wings win so bad. No, it's not going to happen. I would If Vasilevsky is going to want to bounce back game, I'm looking at a shutout. Take it, I'm taking the shot out. Under 0.5 goals for Detroit. Bet it. Win some money. Um, no. The Tampa Bay Lightning are too dangerous to be betting against. I see them beating Detroit, but if they lost, then do you agree they're in a hangover then? What would you say? If they lose – okay, if they lose if, to Detroit tomorrow, I will publicly tweet at Joy Priest. You go ahead and follow me. Uh, publicly tweet that, you know, I was wrong and the Tampa Bay Lightning, it's going to take them a little bit to get into the groove of things. If they lose to the Red Wings, Joey's going to look at their next game, see that they're playing like Ottawa or something and go, oh, that was just a weird game. The puck bounced weird. They're actually playing Washington on Saturday. That's going to be tough, I think. Two two, uh, Eastern Conference powers right there. I do think the Lightning are going to have a good year. I got them coming in second in their division, but you know, those are some good takeaways from the game. Then right after guys, right after that game, we saw the first ever game in the history of the Seattle Kraken where they beat the Vegas golden Knights or they lost to the Vegas golden Knights by a final score of four to three. Ryan Donato scored the first goal in Seattle Kraken history. What were your overall impressions from that game? Frank, I'll start with you. Um, well, at first, I'm like, uh-oh, here we go. Seattle's going to be Seattle, what everybody, you know. I know a lot of people have them making the playoffs and having a decent year. 
but Vegas just seemed to find it. And then when they were up 3-0, I know they flashed the stat up yesterday. They're 90-0-1 in franchise history when holding a three-goal lead at any point, right? So then it's 3-3, three, three, and they're like, wow. And then Seattle kind of impressed me. Um, but Do you know it, who the 0-1 is? I don't. Is it really? Nico Heeshear in overtime. I was going to ask, do we know who the 0-1 is? It was the New Jersey Devils. that They came back and beat them in New Jersey. Heeshear scored in overtime. He beat Flurry by like a little Johansson, Ryan, or not Ryan, Marcus Johansson like flipped the puck to Heeshear and he caught it on his backhand, brought it to his forehand, beat Flurry. Vegas choked. It was freaking awesome. They, um, to continue on what I was saying, they, um, I think it was as close as it was, though, because it was the first game. These two teams played maybe like December. I think it'll be a whole different game. I could see Vegas winning like four to one or five to one. I don't personally think Seattle's going to have a fantastic year. I don't think they're going to do what Vegas did, especially. I don't think they're going to make it to the cup for sure. Um, but I know I'm in the minority in that. I know a lot of people are high up on Seattle and think they'll at least make the playoffs. But I just think because it was the first game of the season, the first real game as a team, and I don't know. I just didn't see too much in it being that close. I mean, Vegas proved it early going up 3-0, and then I think, you know, it's the first game. What could you expect? Their defense defense isn't always good in their first few games. Yeah, before he, before Joey gives in his impressions of the two teams, I do want to say, like, okay, so a lot of people think they're going to make the playoffs, right? They're in a very weak division. They are. The Pacific division is not good. Vegas is the clear-cut favorite, right? And then I think a lot of people have the Edmonton Oilers as the number two team in the division just because they have Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid. Like, those guys are going to do their thing. But the Ducks are rebuilding. The Kings are rebuilding. The Flames are eh every year. They're either really good or really bad. We'll see with the Flames. I think very low of the Vancouver Canucks. So that that kind of leaves the Kraken to like kind of ride this first season wave. And so I'm I'm with you. I don't think they're anywhere near Vegas. They're not. But I, I, they can have a good year. I want to hear Joey's impressions of the two teams so far after what he watched last night. Yeah. Can you see me? Am I moving? Yeah, I was I was just frozen that whole time and my thing was rebooting. <laughs> you're a little blurry, but you're coming back into focus slowly but surely. Yeah, I don't know. Bad vibes. We're having connection issues, kind of like we did last time. <laughs> Hopefully, the power just doesn't click off like it did last time. Yeah, the thunder stopped. So for those who yeah. live in the Chicagoland area, experiencing some storms. Um, I so I actually didn't hear what you guys said much after like Frankie. I, so I heard him talking halfway through. Um, but what I saw from that cracking game yesterday is I was impressed. I think this team is actually going to be really good. It took them a period to get their, their legs going. The nerves, it's their first ever game. I think you saw a little bit of nerves from uh, from Vegas as well. But um, Vegas, obviously, I think Vegas is far and away the better team. But I think Seattle's going to have a winning record this year. I was really impressed with uh, Mark Giordano. I thought Philip Grubauer made some great saves again, like, a lot of the goals that Vegas scored, you, you can't really do much about it. The, the one-timer off the guy, or I guess you can call it a one-timer, the kicked goal that was not a kick. It was just kind of a redirection. Like, nothing you can do about that. Um, someone that really impressed me on Seattle was Mark Giordano, obviously, and Vince Dunn. Vince Dunn quarterbacking that power play unit. You called them taking him in the expansion draft. I'll give you credit for that. And this guy, he could be a very, very prominent offensive defenseman for this team. And then Ryan Donato getting that first goal in, in franchise history. 
but not just Ryan Donato. They got to go for Morgan Geek, who I'll be honest. Geeky. Geeky. Morgan Geeky. I love this guy. I love what saying a name. I love what saying his name. name. I tweeted it in all caps. That line of Ryan Donato, Morgan Geeky, and Mason Appleton, that could be if that line emerges as like one of their offensive lines, it gives me reminiscences of Vegas' first season having that emergence of William Carlson, Riley Smith, and uh, Jonathan Marshall show as a top line. Like, what if that line turns into it? I said it to you, Vin, on Sunday. Or it was either Sunday or Monday when I was like, I could see Ryan Donato kind of breaking out as one of the a big goal scorer in the NHL, playing with a new team in a new role who doesn't have an established superstar. So, like, who knows? I was impressed. And then, obviously, you have uh, Jaden Swartz. Jordan Eberle hit the crossbar within the first, like, 30 seconds of the game, and then they got a power play. If they score on that power play, if Jordan Eberle puts that puck in the net, like, that game goes completely different, in my opinion. So, I don't know. I, it got me really jacked for the Seattle Kraken season. All right, so we're going to have a little feud here. The two teams – yeah, that's so true. Uh, comment from Brian Kraken. They were super nervous, and the energy at T-Mobile is just so hard to play in. How do you, you not guys nervous see after that pregame where they're like the night oh guy is God. just lighting up like big Kraken on the ice? Like, the, okay, their show on the actual ice. I have to go to a game. I want to go so bad. It makes me want to go watch shows in Vegas in general because I know that some of that stuff like is just got to be so cool. And the Kraken getting lit on fire and falling into the ocean and then the knight skating out and doing his thing. That stuff's awesome. But as far as a feud, people are arguing over which team in the last two expansions have the better jerseys. And before I get either of your opinions, they're both so different from each other, and they're both so cool. And I think we can all agree that Vegas and Seattle did a fantastic job with their sweaters. They went on and kind of took over some teams. I think a lot of people are, like, loyal to the original six. Like, no one's ever going to say they're better than the Habs jerseys or the Blackhawks jerseys or any of those teams. But, man, they're cool. And when they're playing against each other, it's a solid jersey matchup. And... I really like the Kraken road jerseys. I'm interested in out of the two, who's you're going with Frank. I'll start with you. Are you just talking about road jerseys or the, home the entire catalog? Um, I just really like the Vegas jerseys with the gold. And I just think the colors are so sick. I love the Kraken jerseys though. Right. But I'm going to have to give it to the, the golden Knights just because to me, it's like so unique though. That color scheme is so unique and it just meshes so well. But I'm not taking anything away from the Kraken. I love the Kraken jerseys. I think they're phenomenal. I like the road ones. I think better than the home a little bit. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna have to go with the Golden Knights. Just wait till you see those homes on the ice. I cannot wait. I don't even know when their first home game is. Let me look. October twenty third. They're home against Vancouver. It's gonna be incredible. These colors for the Kraken. If you can't tell, my answer is the Kraken. Everything about the Kraken I like better than Vegas, except their pregame show. But hey. We don't know what their pregame show is going to be like. I can't wait to watch that. Um, the Kraken colors in their jerseys, even people who, when they announced them, I, I got some texts. When they announced these jerseys, not a lot of people liked them at first. Not a lot of people liked the colors. I had multiple people. I saw. I heard it from multiple people that seeing them on the ice, and this happens a lot. I'm notorious for doing this. When a jersey comes out that I don't like, once I see it in person on the ice in a game, I end up really liking it. Um, with that being said, there were a lot of people who that happened with these Kraken jerseys on the road. The, my favorite part about them, though, is the hint of red. You, you got your Seattle colors, you know, that teal just screams Seattle. 
And then the hint of red in the jerseys, if you look at the Kraken logo, the eye on the Kraken is red. And I just think that it goes flawlessly with the whole jersey accents and everything. I cannot wait to see this team at home. Yeah, I'm with you guys. Um, I can't really pick. If I had to pick one, I don't know. I want to see the home jerseys on the ice. Um, I know they play the Devils next Tuesday, the Kraken, in New Jersey. So it's going to be those sweet white jerseys going up against the Devil Red. I think that's going to be like a solid jersey matchup because the Kraken have like that teal. But it's like different than the Sharks teal. It's more like a baby blue type of teal. And, oh, it was just really cool seeing it on the ice yesterday. And I loved watching them, watching them go. The thing that surprised me about Seattle were their socks. The teal was more vibrant on the socks than I thought it was going to be. Absolutely. And, yeah, right now I'm leaning towards those, but I always think there's kind of a, a recency bias because I do love Vegas' jerseys as well. And Vegas has done a good job. They have no team history because they're only five years old and they still came out with a reverse retro jersey. And they like they were the red ones with the uh, the secondary logo. I, I thought those were awesome. The gold jerseys are really cool. And they just the thing I like about both of these jerseys, they are very good representations of the cities they come from. So Vegas is very vibrant and the gold and it just makes you think of Viva Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. And then the Kraken. They're right there with the Mariners and the Seahawks with their color schemes. And it's just very Pacific Northwest. Like even Vancouver, even Vancouver has the, you know, Pacific Northwest blue and teal and green type of deal going on. So it'll be interesting to see where Seattle goes from here with side jerseys and alternates and all sorts of stuff too. Yeah. I always said from the beginning that I wish the Vegas Golden Knights, their main jerseys that they came out with, I wish they would have been black instead of the gray. Now, the gray did grow on me. I love the Seattle Kraken jersey, or not the Seattle. I love the Vegas Golden Knights jerseys. I love both the home and away. Um, the gloves when they're on the road are sick. Their alternate gold jersey, I think, is awesome. I'm not a fan of the reverse retro, but I just don't like the red on them. Uh, I think if Vegas were to come out with a black jersey of some kind, I, I would probably love it. Um, and then, like you said, I'm interested to see what Seattle comes up with in terms of an alternate jersey because you know it's going to happen. An all teal jersey, an all maybe an all teal jersey, or maybe they'll go black. Maybe they'll do an all black with some teal accents. Um, I could see Vegas doing a black jersey if they're ever in like the Winter Classic or something like that, or an outdoor game. Yeah, or something. I could see them debuting like a black jersey. They made a good point on the ESPN broadcast yesterday, which, by the way, I'll just throw in there. I thought the ESPN broadcast for both games was excellent i'm very excited for more to more of that to come on espn and tnt this season uh they made a good point about how seattle had a hockey team back in the early 1900s uh before the nhl took over the stanley cup so i believe there's a seattle team name on the stanley cup i'd have to like look into that more and they showed these old like style 1900 jerseys that the seattle team wore and they had the idea of like maybe in an outdoor heritage game that the Seattle Kraken eventually play in, they would model those jerseys off of these very ugly red and green jerseys that the old Seattle team used to wear. I absolutely think they're going to celebrate the Seattle hockey heritage mm-hmm. going back a century throughout games over the next couple of years. I think it's going to be very interesting to see what goes on with that. Joey kind of alluded to it before we end period two. I thought ESPN was awesome last night. I loved hearing my guy, one of my 
I, I would call him one of my idols. I definitely used to model my Twitter after him. I kind of veered away from it a little bit recently, but um, definitely made me want to get into sports media just following him along while I was in high school, and that's John Bucigras. I think he did a great job calling the Kraken Golden Knights game yesterday when the Kraken tied it and he yelled, holy shnikes. <laughs> that was one of my favorite things I've ever heard because he's been saying holy shnikes on SportsCenter for years. And that's definitely just like a thing that guys around his age used to say back in the day. So I, I thought it was awesome. But even seeing like Linda Cohn do uh, in between intermissions and Brian Boucher, who's something me and Joey have been a fan of for a very long time doing color commentating. I want your guys overall thoughts on ESPN as a whole. Joe, if you want to get into it a little more, we'll start with you. Yeah, I, I loved every second of it. Going into the season, I was kind of looking forward to the games on TNT a little more. I, I like that team. It's going to have more of an NBC feel, which is what we're used to. But I thought ESPN did a great job. My only complaint, and I'm, you guys are both probably going to disagree with this, I don't like the intermissions being in the stadium. I don't like them setting up the booth inside the stadium. I, I just don't like the way it sounds. I don't like the way it looks. I'd rather them be in a studio. Kind of think that's a opening night kind of deal. You think? Yeah. I think that might be an ESPN thing. Yeah, I don't know. To be honest, I kind of think that's an opening night deal. How they I didn't travel. mind it. Yeah, I didn't mind it either. I think they could easily, it's, it's ESPN. I think they could easily set up a little makeshift table at every arena because they're not going to have every game on ESPN. Do you guys know the Steve Dangle podcast? Mm -hmm. uh, one of the co hosts on it, Adam Wilde, great, great, great Twitter follower. You, follow, you should follow him. I highly, highly recommend it. He was commenting because I guess in Canada they got the feed from ESPN. And they were talking about how, like, the camera angles are just clearly different. ESPN is just second to none when it comes to presenting sports. And after reading that tweet, I started looking for it myself. I think it was during the first intermission. And it's like, whoa, this is really cool. ESPN, they get angles that, you know, they, they just think outside the box like nobody else. And they put the money into this thing. And I, I thought the presentation of it was awesome last night. It was a good television show for sure. I yeah, there was one camera angle I wasn't necessarily a fan of, and a lot of people like it was when the puck is live in play, like stick to the hard cam. The aerial. Yes, I don't like that. I hate hockey. the aerial. I don't yeah. like it in hockey. I'll, no. I'll have to mess around in other sports, but in hockey, stick to the hard cam while while play is going on. Occasionally switch to the corner camera or yeah. the the robotic cam on the glass behind the net. I've seen. I've I've actually watched. Uh, sometimes a broadcast will do a whole power play from that angle. I don't hate that. The Devils but, do it when yeah, they go on the power play. It, it's and it's not it's not bad, but for hockey, I like the basic hard cam that we're all used to. I don't like switching up, especially when the, when the puck is moving, you know, and they're up and down the ice. Sure, I can agree with that. This is a little off topic. I and we were at the game yesterday between the White Sox and the Astros. Apparently, I read on Twitter that there was a good amount of pitches shown from behind the catcher, and some people were complaining about that. What do you so, mean? It's like the camera was from behind the catcher. Oh, yeah. It was while Kopech was pitching. Yeah, yeah. It was like the, the camera was from behind the catcher, so you saw the ball like coming towards you as the viewer, and some people were complaining about that online, but it kind of goes into the same vein as what Joey says about um, the cameras from while the puck is in play. But there's definitely some, some coverage that is ESPN exclusive, and I think TNT is going to follow suit. I can't wait to watch a game on TNT tonight. Tonight. Can't Absolutely. wait. Absolutely. Well, uh, we'll be tuned in. 
Um, I real quick, I've been talking highly about the TNT broadcast. I watched. There was one preseason game. There might have been a couple, but a preseason game between the the Bruins and the Flyers was pretty much a TNT dress rehearsal preseason game. They treated it like a real game, and it was called by Kenny Albert, Eddie Olchek, and Keith Jones was inside the glass. I'm very excited for tonight, Washington Pittsburgh. We're about to get into that in the period three, but from the perspective of perspective of the broadcasting, TNT, it, it's going to be phenomenal. It's going to be just like those big games on NBC. They have a cool feature. We kind of saw it yesterday. I don't know if this is a, an NHL thing that they're doing, but they have the the rule analysis guy. He came in when they were reviewing the goal that was potentially kicked in in the Seattle Kraken Vegas Golden Knights game. Uh and then they brought on this guy from inside the studio, and it's called the Rules Analysis. TNT is going to do the same exact thing. They did it in the preseason game, and they said they're going to be doing this all season long. It's a retired NHL official that they'll bring in on the live broadcast to talk about a rule that they're discussing in that game right now. And it was just really funny and entertaining to hear this retired official talk with Kenny Albert, Eddie Olchuk, and Keith Jones, two guys who used to play in the NHL, when this official was working. So it was just really cool to hear them break down the rule as it was going on in real time, us watching the game. So looking forward to TNT a lot tonight. Absolutely. So we're going to get into some upcoming hockey analysis and scheduling, and we would like to do it in period number three. Welcome to period three presented by the Barroom Network and deepdishtees.com. Make sure you go to deepdishtees.com and pick up all your Barroom Network swag. Blackhawks, first game of the season, the Colorado Avalanche, one of the best teams in the NHL, but they will be without superstar Nathan McKinnon due to a positive COVID-19 test. Frank, I'll start with you. What are you most excited about for with this Blackhawks season? Uh, I think this year, more than any other year, I am more excited on opening day this year than I have been in a very long time. I think the Hawks are just going to have an am amazing, maybe. I don't know if I should say amazing. I think they're going to have a great season, though. Um, anything less than a playoff berth would be a disappointment to me. I mean, we got Tyler Johnson now, Flurry, Seth Jones. I think they're going to give the Avalanche a run for their money to be honest with you. I could see them winning this game by a score of like four to two. And I would not be surprised one bit. I, I have a lot of faith in the Hawks. I think this opener is going to tell us a lot right off the bat. And I just, I really cannot wait for tonight's game. Joe Hawks. Yeah, I agree with Frankie. Uh, especially when he said that, you know, the uh, anything less than playoffs is a disappointment because I think you look at this team on paper, you look at what they, they have the potential to do. And you look at their division, I think a playoff a playoff berth is easily in reach for the Chicago Blackhawks, especially with, you know, their additions of Flurry, Johnson, Jake McCabe on the defense, along with Seth Jones. Caleb Jones, when he comes back, looked really good in the preseason. And then let's not forget the captain coming back, Jonathan Paves. I think he's going to have a great year. Uh, he's on my fantasy team as I go on for – No one gives a shit about your fantasy team. <laughs> as I go on for my second win in a row. Fifth and eight years. Um, I, I think it's going to be great. I think it's going to be great. Taves is going to help mesh this team together too. Mm -hmm. Having that leadership back is just going to play a huge role. And taking the pressure off of someone like Kirby Doc. Absolutely. 
You're, you're going to see a different team. The Hawks have stunk the past few seasons, right? But you're going to see it's going to be a different team, and I think a lot of people are going to be more surprised than they think. Yes, there's the only thing I'm worried about is Jeremy Colleton's system. So it, it has shown in the past that he doesn't know how to adjust his roster to a system, but I think the roster is very good this year that they should be able to come up with something to help them win games. And their dress rehearsal against the Minnesota Wild a couple nights ago where both teams were dressing their entire lineup at full strength and the Hawks just smoked them. And the Wild are a very good team. They'll be a playoff team as well. So I it, it's surprising to me that, you know, they're going to have to play tonight without McKinnon. And that's going to kind of, I don't want to say it's going to nerf the avalanche, but it kind of is. Obviously, if McKinnon's not there, the Blackhawks have a better chance to win. We obviously hope he's able to test out of this protocol and be ready to play by the weekend. But I definitely think advantage Blackhawks tonight on the road against Colorado. Yeah, real quick before we, you know, talk about anything else. Another thing about the Blackhawks, I want to share this picture real quick on the screen. This. When I saw this, I thought this was a sick way to announce your captains for the season. Obviously, you have the return of Jonathan Taves. And then Patrick Kane from this picture tells me Patrick Kane's going to always have the A. And then home games, it'll be Alex DeBrinkett. And the road games will be Connor Murphy. Yep. I think that's a brilliant way to do it because Brent Seabrook and Duncan Keith are both gone now. They're not wearing A's anymore. And Connor Murphy was the one wearing an A. So last year it was Keith, Kane, and Taves. This year, it's better to have Kane still remain with an A all year long. He's right there with Taves as the captain of the team, let's be honest. And then Dabrinkit at home, to me, signifies that he's closer to being the full-time alternate captain. But Connor Murphy was the one wearing it in games that Duncan Keith or Patrick Kane missed last year. Mm -hmm. So he was kind of like the first guy to get an A put on his sweater, and he'll be wearing it on the road. I think it's smart to have the defenseman wearing it on the road in case there's an issue with the referees or whatever. Mm-hmm. And at home, it's to bring it. So, mm-hmm. Frank, what are your thoughts on the captains? Um, I think I think they're perfect, to be honest with you. Um, there's really no one else I would choose to be the assistant captain. I think the Brinkett is definitely the future of the Hawks. I think he's going to be with the Hawks for a very long time. So I think having him for the home games as the assistant captain uh, is a good idea. And as far as the road te- or the road games go, Connor Murphy, I mean, like you said, he wore it last season. Um, I just – obviously Kane and Taves are going to be the two biggest captains for the team until they're not there anymore, right? If Taves had to leave or whatever, I personally think Kane would get the C. So do I. Um so obviously they're you're, they're your two like big public figures, right? They're the pillars now, of the organization. Yeah, they're the pillars. So they're always going to be the leaders until they're not on the team anymore. Then personally, I think if DeBrinket's not on the team, he's going to get the C. And then, I mean, depending on who on the, I don't know about the assistant captain because we don't know who will be on the team by then. But because I don't think Connor Murphy will be with the Hawks long term. No, and I think next in line besides him. I- it would be hard to give this a letter to this guy over Connor Murphy just because it's his first year with the team. Connor Murphy's, you know, been here for a little bit now. Yeah. 
and that's Seth Jones. Like Seth Jones will have a letter at some point. Yeah, I agree. I probably he's probably next in line. Yeah, yeah. like like I said, you know, you got this guy for the next nine years or eight years. Mm-hmm. Um, is it nine? Because this did they give him the, yeah, the eight year deal, and this year is the last year on yeah. his other deal. So mm-hmm. the next nine years, this guy's going to be on your team. He could potentially even be the next captain if he, you know, sticks with it and really, you know, is it a bona fide guy that you traded for? Mm-hmm. So I have two young guys to keep in mind too. Obviously, Kirby Doc. You drafted him third overall. You see him as your next top line center. That's a guy in consideration. And then a guy who hasn't played very much, I know me and Joey have argued with this at lengths, is Ian Mitchell. Ian Mitchell has been a captain at every level of his career, and there have been people projecting him to be a captain in the NHL for a very long time. The only thing that would hold him back from being a captain one day is somebody either being given it before him before he gets the chance or him not making it as a player. And as of right now, people think he's going to make it as a player. So he'll be in line to potentially be a captain. So we'll see what happens there. I, I think Seth Jones, Seth Jones might've screwed you out of that. Yeah, it's possible. Um, it screwed him out of a roster spot to start the season. Yeah. So. I actually forgot about Seth Jones that I think that maybe he would even get it before doc to bring it. Just yeah. because he's got that veteran, you know. And that big contract. Yeah, you know, yeah. He could be a guy that the Hawks look at in many yeah. ways for the next decade. Yeah. yeah. And if he didn't want out of Columbus, they probably would have named him instead of Boone Jenner. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They named Boone Jenner the captain over there in Columbus yesterday. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. But the next thing I wanted to talk about, we're going to be watching this game together, the three of us. The Chicago Blackhawks are going to play the New Jersey Devils at the Rock in the Prudential Center on Friday. Very, very, very excited for this game. I'm sure you are. We're always excited every time the Hawks play, you know, one of our teams. Um, And we get to get it right out of the way early with with one of your teams. Yeah, the, the Devils are an interesting team. They're hard to predict. You have them higher than I do. And... Yeah, I think they're going to be right battling up there with the New York Rangers for that last playoff spot. Uh, you, I, I know you have Pittsburgh in that spot, but I, I actually think the Devils, they, you know, they impress me every preseason. It seems every preseason they impress me, but they're just going to be a sneaky team. They have the goaltending. They took a lot of pressure off P.K. Subban with acquiring Dougie Hamilton. A full year of a healthy Jack Hughes. Nico Heischer just keeps getting better and better. Now they have uh, Tomas Tatar on that left wing. I just think the New Jersey Devils kind of have what it takes to have have a really competitive year. So this is not going to be an easy game for the Blackhawks going into New Jersey. The place is going to be amped up. Yeah, I see them being a bubble team, the Devils mm-hmm. for sure. I think they can make the playoffs. I don't think they'll be bottom of the league at all. There are two X factors for me, not including like Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer. Like they need to be sick. If they're not, then this team's not going to be great. But uh, Yanni Kokkonen and Yegor Sharangovich. Those are two key players to this team's success this season. Sharon Govich might lead him in goals. That's my like bold prediction. What do you think? Yeah, it's very possible. I personally see uh, – I've seen Tatar score a lot of goals. I think he's going to kind of be looked at as a guy who, who can be a goal scorer, especially on the power play. But, I mean, I wouldn't put it past a, a young guy like Jack Hughes. This guy is just going to keep getting better and better. I think he's going to do it all. I honestly like would not be surprised one bit if Jack Hughes puts up seventy five points, thirty five goals. 
40 assists. I, it would not surprise me at all. So I think it's going to be a breakout year for both Heashier and Hughes. Um, I would not be surprised if they're – you see them high 70s for sure in points. I'd say both of them. I'm going to go with both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, the top power play, do you know exactly who, who's on that? It is going to be Tatar. I would assume you have Tatar on your top power play. I – there are a bunch of different ways it could go by tomorrow. It kind of depends on how Ty Smith and Damon Severson are doing tomorrow. I met Friday. Ty Smith and Damon Severson are your like two number two power play guys. They might even both play on the same unit with two defensemen. And obviously Dougie Hamilton is on the top unit. Um, they might even use PK Subban from time to time for the big shot. Jack Hughes and Nico Heashier have to be together on the top unit. I would use Sharon Govich. His shot is amazing. Like, I legitimately think he's going to lead the Devils in goals. I think he, Sharon Hughes, are going to be one and two in points. And then third very well could be um, Sharon Govich because I just think that highly of him. And there's someone we're forgetting too, Brat. Jesper Brat is very mm-hmm. good. So he'll be in the mix, Tatar. Um, Pavel Zaka led them in goals last year, which not a lot of people realize. He had a good year offensively. I don't think very highly of him in terms of an overall player. But – We'll see what happens with him. It's definitely going to give the Blackhawks a run for their money, especially since it will probably be Blackwood versus Lankinen. You think it'll be – yeah, with the back-to-back. They'll, and then they'll start flurry in the Saturday game versus the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you think the Devils are better than the Penguins, so maybe they'll go with flurry against the Devils and Lankinen against the Penguins. It wouldn't surprise me one bit if they beat the Avalanche tonight – lose to the Devils on Friday, and beat the Penguins on Saturday. Wow. Surprised me not one bit. Being without Nathan McKinnon is so huge. And, yeah, they have guys to – you can't replace a guy like Nathan McKinnon. And, and one thing about the Avalanche, we all know I love the Avalanche. They've grown to one of my favorite teams to root for in this league. They took I what I would call a huge, I guess, downgrade in goaltending. Philip Grubauer's over in Seattle. I don't know if Darcy Kemper is going to be able to put up the same type of numbers that Grubauer had last year. I think Grubauer's a great goalie, but I think he benefited tremendously from playing on this Colorado Avalanche team. Uh, we'll see if Darcy, Kemp- Darcy Kemper is able to fill the void. I think he might be able to. I don't know. I think I think he was very uh, good with the Coyotes. He was very I, I, good with the Coyotes, and they stink. <laughs> I'm I'm very high on Philip Grubauer. That I think he was he was really good, and it's a downgrade to me. Yeah, I, oh, I, I think it's probably a downgrade. It's a downgrade for sure. I think it's a downgrade, but I am impressed with how Darcy Kemper played with those stinky Coyotes, and now he's on a good team. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how the system is. You know. Yeah, exactly. And without McKinnon, that sucks. There's Certain one player in the league I trade McKinnon for. Play McKinnon. better on different teams because of the system. Absolutely. So we'll see how Kemper fits into the Colorado Avalanche system. Frank, I'm excited to see Kale McCarr. I miss Kale. <laughs> oh, Kale's going to be fun to watch. Frank, there is a player I want to get your opinion on, just what your projections for him are for the whole season. Mm-hmm. Connor McDavid. I mean, he was on pace for 160 points last season. He is the best player we've ever seen. I think he's more skilled than Gretzky. I think he's more skilled than Crosby. He'll never reach Gretzky's points totals because guys just don't get 200 points in a season anymore because goalies don't wear newspapers for pads anymore. But I think Connor McDavid is by far the most skilled player at his sport I've ever seen. Like Patrick Mahomes is kind of 
getting in that conversation a little bit in terms of quarterback. His defense thinks so he gets no help. But, like, I don't know. I think that highly of McDavid. What do you think is going to go on here? I think McDavid is going to have another fantastic year. 100-plus points for sure. Nothing less. But he's got to stay healthier, you know. Um, he is on a different line this year, right? Isn't he playing with Hyman and who? Um, he'll see time with Dryside. I'm sure he'll see time with Nugent Hopkins. But who are they starting with? Wasn't it Hyman and somebody else I thought I read? Um, I would have to look at the Edmonton Oilers starting lines for tonight. They get their games going tonight against the – I want to say it's the Vancouver Canucks they play. Daily, uh, daily face-off as of right now, and obviously this will update – uh, as the season goes on and line. daily faceoff is normally pretty spot on from day to day. Yeah. So we'll see if they start this way, you know, with the acquisition of Zach Hyman, this will be his first year with them, right? He was, yes. still on, he was still in Toronto or no, didn't he play on Pittsburgh last year? No. Who might think uh, anyway, um, it, this is having Hyman uh, centered by Nugent Hopkins and Kyler Yamamoto on the right side for their second line moving Leon Dreisaitl up to left wing on that top line with Connor McDavid and Yesse Pugliarvi. I thought I read it. Was, maybe it was – I don't know. That wouldn't surprise me, though, if Dreisaitl plays on the second line and they move Hyman up. That's I remember when we drafted our fantasy teams this week when we were looking through the players, I did notice that Hyman was very high, and they're projecting him for like 28, 29, 30 goals. Like, Hyman's a great player. He scored 20 in his NHL career, but if he can't get it elevated to 30 – Thanks to McDavid, that would be sick. So, Frank, you got a point total for McDavid, goals, assists, and points? Yeah, I'm going to go with 36 goals and 77 assists for a total of 113 points. Wow. He's got his math already. I'm not that prepared. I'm just going <laughs> to do some rounding to get some even numbers. <laughs> yeah, so. Remember, gold prediction. 36 That's... goals, 77 Oh, I wrote it down. 113. Lock it in. Yeah, you, you, have a, you have a lower total than I think I'm going to go with. And 113 points is like a shit ton. That would win him the Art Ross probably by a lot. Joe, you want to go? Yeah, I think this is going to be his biggest goal scoring year yet. That's where um, I'm going. I'm seeing 40. I'll, I'll go 43 goals. And I'm going to stick with Frankie's in the 70. 77 assists for a total of that. It's an even number. It's an even number. Yeah, I know. That's why I picked 77. 120? Yeah. Yep. That's right on That's right on, on par with my brain wave. 120 points. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm going to go crazier. Crazy. I'm going right? to go crazier. 49 goals. He's going to come one shy of 50. He's not coming one shy. If you know in that last game, if he's at 49 in that last game, you know he's scoring another goal. It's 49 goals and 81 assists. This wow. is the guy who needed – he needed 130 what? points. Yep. Remember when he needed four points to reach 100 last year? And he's like – or he needed two points to reach 100 or something like that. And he's like, nope, I'm just going to go and get four. <laughs> yeah. And then there were still like two games left. Yeah. He wanted if, to knock it out early. If he's sitting in the high 40s, like at 48, 49. He's going to stop passing the damn thing. He's getting 50. It's it's Connor McDavid. He'll get 50. He will have a 50-goal season. Like, I think the reason he doesn't is because he chooses not to. Like, I, I think that highly of this guy. They call him McJesus. He he might be Jesus. 
Yeah. Um, there's a graphic I want to show that kind of caught me off guard. You think of McDavid as one of the guys. There's no one. There's no one like this guy. He's already and a top ten player ever. He's been exactly. In the I've never seen years. anything like Connor McDavid. Now, granted, I wasn't watching hockey as much as you know some other viewers when a guy like Sidney Crosby came into the league, and it caught me way off guard after seeing McDavid so productive in his first six seasons. When I saw this graphic, that the numbers are extremely comparable to Sidney Crosby's first six seasons. That was very eye-opening to me on how good Sidney Crosby is. I know how good Sidney Crosby is now, but I didn't, I'll be honest. I didn't get the pleasure of watching Sidney Crosby in the prime of his, his rookie year, his first three years, you know, his Stanley Cup year in 2009. I didn't watch that. I've been able to see Connor McDavid since he's gotten drafted. So this was really eye-opening to me seeing the comparables and just how close of hockey players they are. The only thing I'm hoping for now is that the seasons after these first six are exactly just as reminiscent. I want to see Connor McDavid hoist that Stanley cup more than anything. So it would be nice to not see McDavid get hurt. Like Crosby did with the missing basically two full seasons with the concussions. Um, But yeah, Crosby's amazing. Like what makes Crosby great. They both put up similar points. Like, Crosby had 70 points in 50 games last year. Like he kind of had a unreal season and nobody talked about it because it's Crosby, but Crosby's very different. McDavid is so good. And we call him the best we've ever seen because of the way he plays. It's all speed. He gets faster with the puck. There are plenty of other players just as fast as McDavid without the puck. Uh, guys like Taylor Hall come to mind. Um, I don't know. I'm not going to say him. There are other McKinnon there, but when McDavid gets the puck, He's faster somehow. Mm-hmm. And every other player in the league, including McKinnon, including Matthews, including Kane, they'd get a tad bit slower when they have the puck, not McDavid. He stays yeah. the exact same speed, if not gets faster. And he scores a lot of – like Crosby is a superstar grinder. He scores a lot of goals in and around the net. He'll battle for pucks in front of the net and bank in rebounds. He works hard in the corners. He'll make crazy plays like we're about to see right here where he skates around. Kind, kind of like dirtier goals in a way, if you will. Where McDavid, it's all pretty. It all looks like he's figure skating. Like that, that to me is the biggest difference between the two. It's like a video game goal. Exactly. Exactly. That looks like you playing against me (laughs) in NHL 21. And it's one of your nine goals that you (laughs) score against me en route to a nine to three victory. Your thoughts on that? You nailed it. Who who are you going to say that you said I'm not going to say his name? Miles Wood. Oh. Miles Wood is very fast. Yeah, um, what it's it is very fast. What it is, you know, Nathan McKinnon is one of the fastest players in the league. Gallup, though, it's not as pretty. He, yeah, it is not as pretty. Uh, but he is explosive. He's. I would say Nathan McKinnon is the most explosive speed skater in the league. Meaning, when he is at a complete stop, I'm not saying he has the puck. When he is at a complete stop and he needs to accelerate, he will get from point A to point B the fastest. Connor McDavid. In the history of the sport. Yes. When if Connor McDavid, when he gets the puck, he's accelerating through that neutral zone at a speed like no one else with the puck. And it's because of his quick crossovers. Watch this guy skate. Looking forward to it tonight with their first game against Vancouver. Frank, you excited to watch McJesus this season? Yeah, it should be good. I always like watching him. Absolutely. Uh, tonight, the two most important teams in the NHL 
the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Montreal Canadiens, the two teams that invented the league, they square off. They normally open their seasons against each other. You you got some big names. You got Austin Matthews. You got Mitchell Marner. You got guys on Montreal that, like, you know, there's no Carey Price, which kind of stinks. Che Weber's out, but it's going to be a good matchup. You looking forward to something like that? Yeah. Um, the only thing that's kind of disappointing is that Matthews is sitting the first three games for Toronto. He won't be playing tonight. Um, I'm sure you're aware. But um, – and without Carey Price, I mean, I wish both these teams were healthy, you know, because I just love the rivalry of Toronto versus Montreal. Yeah, I want to see them go at it, right? Seeing, like, I just, the feeling you get watching those two teams is, like, I embrace rivalry games, right? I, I know Joey probably likes Boston-Montreal. I mean, you hate Montreal, but you love those games. Like, you look forward to those games on the schedule. You mark those down in your calendar – and, I hate both these teams so much. You want to fight Joey together, Frank? No, no, no. Let me let me talk here. I hate nah, both I these teams so much. <laughs> I I actually hate when they play each other. I'm not even like invested in the game because I I just hate both teams. I don't want to see a winner. Um, with that being said, I want the building to explode. No, Joey wants a power outage in the power game. outage would be sick. Yeah. yeah. Um, no one gets hurt then. Uh. With that being said, though, you're exactly right, Frank. You, uh, every sport needs rivalries. Uh, I have these games circled. I cannot wait for the first Bruins-Canadians game, the first Bruins-Leafs game. We haven't seen it since before COVID because of the whole adjusted schedule and everything. I, I can't express how excited I am to watch my team just shit on both these teams. Yeah, so it's like when you're watching a rivalry game, like you're excited when the Bruins win, right? Mm -hmm. More or, so than when the Bruins are just playing like the San Jose right. Sharks or something. And Vin, you're excited when the Devils win. Mm -hmm. But when the Devils beat the Rangers, it, the satisfaction you get, and when the Bruins beat Montreal, it just makes the win that much better. It's like when I watch Hawks games and they beat Nashville or the Blues. Like I just, It just makes that win so much more enjoyable. But yeah. that's why I just wish these teams were healthy because it would just be even better than it's already going to be. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Joey hates the Leafs more than the Habs. I hate both of them. I hate whoever pisses me off the most. And lately, yeah, the Leafs have pissed me off the most. Joey hates the Leafs more than he hates the Yankees. No, that that's not I, that's not true. It's a different sport. That's a different realm of hatred. The we sports gods come down to you and say, Joey, I got to do it. One of the two are winning the championship next season. The other will fail thanks to you. I would rather the Yankees win than the Leafs. You would rather the Yankees win the World Series than the Leafs. And the Leafs win the Stanley Cup. I want the Leafs. I, I want the Leafs never to win in my life. <laughs> and that is so wrong to say. You know, there's diehard Leafs fans out there who who are worried they're never going to be able to see a championship in their lifetime. I don't want to. I don't. I, I'm okay with that possibility. Is that bad karma? Maybe. Am I never going to see the Bruins win the Cup ever again? Maybe. But I mean, that's the world we live in, so I'm I'm just embracing it. Frank, you might have taken a look at the schedule in the somewhat near future. Mm -hmm. What game or set of games are you most looking forward to? Well, I'm really looking forward to the game against Pittsburgh for the Hawks. Okay. Um, just because I love when the Hawks play Pittsburgh. Yep, and Crosby might be back. I just I'm I don't hate the Penguins. I respect the team, and I'm just a fan of the team as well. So mm -hmm. I just love seeing those two teams go at it. 
But if we're not talking about the Blackhawks and we're just talking about any other games on the schedule, and I know we touched on this a little bit earlier, I cannot wait till October 23rd when Seattle plays their first home game against Vancouver. I think that is one of the biggest games of the year I'm excited for. And I also can't wait till April till the Hawks play the Kraken too. But um, in the near future, Hawks-Penguins should be electric. Cannot wait. And Seattle-Vancouver, what a game that's going to be. Can't wait to see how they open it up for the first time ever at Climate, Ple- Climate Pledge Arena. I can't wait to see what they do on the ice before the game. It should be fantastic. Can we start referring it to it as Climate Pledge Arena? <laughs> sure. You know what's funny? That October 23rd, before Joey gets into his games that he's most excited to, I'm sure they all have to do with the Bruins. Um, we have a Halloween party that day. And it would be a potential game seven between the Boston Red Sox and Houston Astros. So that could just be an overall like sweet day in general. Joe? Yeah. Um, the, 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 I'm looking forward to the Chicago Blackhawks home opener against the New York Islanders. Get that. That's the first Hawks game. I'm going to get that out of the way. Um, in Chicago, that is. They're going to be honoring a bunch of stuff that we missed in the past season with no fans. It's going to be recognized. Looking forward to that first home opener with fans. Rattle off a couple things. Um, well, they have a bunch of legacy nights I'm reading. Like, for example, two nights after the home opener, they're going to honor Kane's uh, milestone of 1,000 NHL games. So there's it's going to be a plethora of plethora of fun nights to come at home for the Chicago Blackhawks. All the legacy retirements that have been Andrew Shaw, Jalmerson, Seabrook, the departure of Duncan Keith, like all that stuff is going to be honored at some point in this season. Mm -hmm. Stuff that we saw already, but wasn't able to be acknowledged with fans. Um, So that game, that first game to kick off all those cool legacy events on October 19th versus the New York Islanders is going to be awesome. Uh, And March 15th, I go every single time this team comes to town. When the Boston Bruins come to Chicago to visit the Chicago Blackhawks, I, I always am there. It's the one time I'm able to go see my team in my hometown. Uh, that one's always circled. This is going to be circled for everyone is when your favorite team plays against the Seattle Kraken. That's going to mm-hmm. be cool. For me, the Bruins play the Seattle Kraken the first game or the last game before the Olympic break and the first game returning from the Olympic break. So back-to-back games against Seattle – separated by two or three weeks or so. Um, And then obviously I'm looking forward to the winter classic, the stadium series, the heritage classic, all those big games. So uh, it's going to be fun. I cannot wait. Very good. I'll just throw a special shout out to all the devil's games. Um, Joey took all mine, so I'm not going to go through it. He's a greedy pig bastard who had to name the winter classic and the stadium series. At least those are chalk picks. I don't even I'll at least be kind enough to tell the people that the Winter Classic is on January 1st. It's the first night Winter Classic, which might make it more pleasing for someone like me and Joey to go to. Frank, you should join us, too. That'd be really fun because it wouldn't ruin New Year's Eve either. It's between the Minnesota Wild and the St. Louis Blues, the stadium series in Nashville, which is one I would borderline say I'm for sure going to is the Tampa Bay Lightning against the Nashville Predators where the titans play that should be a lot of fun um um i forgot to mention the heritage classic which will feature the first ever 
American team to participate in the Heritage, uh, Heritage Classic, which is the Sabres, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. That should be a, a really good game, too. I it forgot might. who they played. Toronto? Yep. They picked yeah. the worst American team. Yeah, but it's they like... the it one that makes the most sense, though. Yeah. yeah I know. Buffalo, has the, Buffalo has the top five fan base. I want that team to be good for those people so bad. You talked about the Leafs. Buffalo's yeah. fans are so sweet. Like, you look at the most watched cities in the united states during the postseason and it's like the team the four teams that made it the furthest and buffalo every year like yeah. if the if the western conference finals is king's hawks and the eastern conference finals is devil's bruins the five most viewed viewing cities in the united states will be newark boston chicago and los angeles and buffalo <laughs> it's just so strange yeah. those people love their hockey so they deserve to play in the heritage classic as far as i'm concerned speaking of bruins versus devils um november 13th is that first matchup that we call it the brother bowl yep you're going Frank, down you're the middle man here you're middle on the screen you're you're perfectly set up here who's winning that series <laughs> um it's nothing against the Devils, but in my opinion, the Bruins are the better team on paper. I, know, I just said Vinny up there. I just set them up to get and shit. I see the Bruins winning it. It's nothing against the Devils. I said the Devils, I think, are going to have potential to make the playoffs. But, I mean, realistically, I think the Bruins should win those games. I, Unbiasedly, I agree. <laughs> Frank, do you acknowledge the fact that the Devils are just one of these years, maybe this year, go from zero to 100. And w- w- like if Heashear and Hughes become Taves and Kane. Yeah, you never know. Yeah, like they could just smoke the Bruins and like yeah. be I mean, a contender all of a sudden. It's not a for sure. I mean, nothing's for sure. I no. think that they could win, but if but I I'm had to like their overall team, their overall team persona could go to cup contender rather oh, quickly yeah. if yeah. these guys hit. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's you never know what's going to happen in the NHL. I mean, absolutely. things there's so many surprises surprises each and every year that I mean, you just never know what's going to happen. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, I'm before, looking forward to this season. Joe, you got some? Yeah. Before we wrap it up here, whether Vinny wants to joke around or not, that no one gives a shit about our fantasy teams. We all love our fantasy hockey. I'm not even going to pick up the trophy. I don't want to get yelled at. Um, but it's it's right down there. Um, well, I want to I want your opinion, Frank. You know, we're all all three of us are in a very competitive fantasy hockey league. How how are you thinking about your team? Are you happy with your draft? You wh- what are some key guys that you got that are going to make you succeed in this year's fantasy hockey team? Vin, you'll go next. Um. Well, I got Austin Matthews in my first pick. I was very happy about that, and I was so close. I thought I was going to be able to get Patrick Kane too. If I had Kane and Matthews, that would have just been electric um perhaps my biggest pick though i'm happy besides happy for besides matthews obviously is flurry because like i said i think the hawks are gonna have a great year it's always fun having your your favorite team's goalie too trust me yeah i mean it's just i've never i don't think i ever had crawford i don't think i've ever had a blackhawks goalie before and now i have flurry who i think is just gonna excel Mm -hmm. this year and i think i really i didn't like my team when i drafted it to be honest with you um, let me pull it up really quick. Yeah, I'm looking at it. You you got – I think your team is actually, you know, it could be very dangerous. I like uh, a guy 
that I like on your team a lot. I think he's going to have a really, really good year. Nikolai Ehlers. I, I see him. This guy can score 40 goals. I got him late, too. Yeah, like, I, I think he is such a good goal scorer. Uh, so that could end up being very good for you. Um. Yeah, I also – Blake Wheeler, I think, is a sleeper because I got him fairly late. I'm surprised nobody picked him up. Um. I also like Stone. I think Stone's going to have a great year. Oh, yeah. So – Right off the bat, I didn't really like my team, but the more I look at it, I'm not a fan of my goalies besides Flurry. I have Markstrom, and we talked about how Markstrom to me is a little bit overrated, and I have Cam Talbot. And the Wild are a good team, obviously, and I think they're going to have a good season, but I think I could have done a little bit better on my goaltending. But other than that, uh, I'll be taking the trophy from you, and uh, I can't wait. I, I'll just go ahead and say I love your goaltending. I think Marc-Andre Fleury is going to have a great year, and I had Cam Talbot last year help me en route to the second trophy in, in as many years, or fourth trophy in eight, seven years. Uh, Cam Talbot was a big part of that. He was great for me, and I think he's going to continue. The Minnesota Wild are a playoff team in my opinion, so I wouldn't hate your goaltending one bit. Finn, what do you got? Um, I got Drysado with the second overall pick. I think that was a really nice pickup, and I also I stole Barkov. I mean – I mean it from the bottom of my heart when I say if I were the Florida Panthers, there are only four players that I would trade Barkov for. No, three. There are three players I would trade Barkov for. McKinnon, McDavid, and Matthews. That's it. There are guys who are slightly better than him right now, like Crosby and Ovechkin, but they're getting older. If I were to redraft the NHL from scratch, he would go fifth, and the only one ahead of him would be Vasilevsky, besides the three I named. And so... You know, but to me, Barkov's probably my biggest steal. I'm a big fan of the fact that with the second to last pick in the draft, I took Evgeny Malkin, who is on long-term injured reserve, and he's not going to come back till December. So I stashed the two seconds after the draft was over. I put Evgeny Malkin on fantasy's injured reserve, and I picked up William Carlson for a waiver wire, and nobody outbid me on him. So William Carlson is on squad. I saw the claim. He is there. And so until Evgeny Malkin comes back, if he sucks when he comes back, I'll drop him. That's a good move. But as of right now, having Evgeny Malkin on squad with the second to last pick, if he comes back and he's old Malkin, I just got a second round level player with the second to last pick. So it could be something that works out. We'll see if it does. Yeah. You know, people who play fantasy hockey kind of sleep on the fact that if you could get somebody who's on IR, that's pretty good later even if they're not going to play for a few months, there's no hurt in putting them on your bench and just putting them in that IR spot. Joe, I think you did it, right? Didn't I've you? Done it, I've done it a few years. Yeah. Or somebody or somebody yeah. had an IR. Kane? Well, no, last so last year, before I get into my team, I, I had Jonathan Taves on my That's IR cool. That's cool. all of last season. He, you know, his name's on the trophy. He's a champion in my book. He, he was with me the entire season in spirit. Um, I paid that fact back to him by drafting Jonathan Taves very late. I think he's going to have a really good year. Um, he's on my team. But I think you're thinking of there was one year I had Steven Stamkos on my IR for a lot of the season, and I got him back right in the nick of time, and it was, you know, a free elite-level player mm-hmm. coming to my team. It's it's a good strategy to do that. Like, people shouldn't sleep on using those IR spots. The mm-hmm. only thing that gets a little fishy is, like, I know we only have two of them, so – if you start getting injury plagued, you know, then it's like, what do you do now? You know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. If let's say in like early December, I have two good players injured. I'll probably just keep one of them on my bench and wait it out because yeah. to me, 
if I get that close to getting yeah, out, there, it might be it. worth it. Exactly. Um, if like a, a lower level guy gets hurt, I might drop him instead of dropping Malkin. So yeah, exactly. we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. Yeah. So, um, Frank, this was an absolute pleasure. Thank you. And I don't know if this was your first time ever doing a podcast or anything like that, but it was sensational. You did a great job. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, Aldo in the back. It was a great time. <laughs> um, you'll be able to thank Aldo in a minute. You're going to hang on. I want you to promote yourself. Tell everyone about your Twitch, your writing, your Twitter, all of it. Talk about yourself right now. All right. So for those of you who don't know, I write for App Trigger, which is a video game website. Um, kind of like when Vinny writes for Southside Showdown and uh, The Windy City. I do it for Fanside for video games. So you can check me out on App Trigger if you go to their website. I write, write a ton of articles. I'm probably on their main page right now for one of the, my most recent articles. Write about sports, shooters, just any type of video games. I also stream a lot on Twitch. You could follow me uh, on Twitch at the King Bean. Twitch partner. Twitch uh, affiliate. 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 Partner's the goal. Partner is the goal. That'll take. Help Frankie reach that goal, folks. Help yeah, him. Help me reach that goal. Um, I haven't been streaming a lot lately, but I plan on streaming regularly um, going forward a ton. Um, but it's been a blast. It's, we got a great community there. So if anybody is interested, likes a good conversation, I talk about anything. If you like entertainment, some laughs, uh, come and watch me at the King Bean on Twitch. And uh, occasionally I stream with Joey and uh, we put on a great show. Yeah. Um, it, it, like you said, it's been a you know few weeks that we haven't got, but we'll get back into it, especially with the new Call of Duty, the new NHL, a lot of fun video games coming out in the near future here. And you could follow me also on Twitter at the King Bean. Um, I think it's the King Bean. Or is it the King Bean 17? I, I forgot. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's just the King I think Bean. It's just, I, I think it was, and I changed it to just the King Bean. Yeah. Um, um, yep, just the King Bean. I typed it yeah, in right. Okay, that, that's what I thought too. Because I know at one point it was the King Bean 17. So, yeah, you can follow me there. I post all my articles uh, on there. So, if you're interested in reading some of them, I also post all of my um, Twitch streams there when I go live on Twitch. So the support would just be immense from everyone. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're very proud of you and your writing and all the stuff you do for the fan side of network. And we thank you for coming on this show. Everybody make sure you tune in to national hockey league hockey tonight. Joey and I will be back tomorrow at two o'clock for crosstown crosstalk, but we will go over that debacle of a series between the Chicago White Sox and Houston Astros. We'll also get a little into the Boston Red Sox, who we are now bandwagon fans of going forward and get into the National League and talk about some offseason stuff for both the Cubs and the White Sox. So make sure you tune into that. Make sure you head on over to deepdishtees.com for everything swaggeroo for the Barroom Network and for at Joey Parisi on Twitter, at the King Bean on Twitter. I'm at Vinny Parisi on Twitter. Thank you for listening.